Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. I'm Carrie. I'm Kelly. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry from, Christmas. From Him Talk Twin Talk. Yes. Uh, Kelly, do you have your Christmas tree yet? I do not have my <laughs> Christmas tree yet. But I mean, it's going to be any minute. Any day now. Because I always, it's my personal goal. I mean, have we talked about this? Do you have the same personal goal as me? I don't know. What's your personal goal? My personal goal is that my tree is up, my candles are in my windows, my nativity is up. By your birthday? By our birthday. <laughs> by, by our birthday, by yeah, the 12th. 12, 12. It's like our favorite day of the year. Are we announcing our age? I mean, no, let's not. I mean, no, it's not a big one. No, it's a pretty lame one, actually. But I just think the day itself is so cool because it's 12, 12, 12. Yes, that's our birthday. So us, us twins were born on mm -hmm. the double-digit birthday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as twins, we kind of always thought that was cool that we had that day. We did. We 12 did. is our favorite number. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people would say, you must hate your birthday being so close to Christmas. We never really cared. It no. was our birthday, and we loved it. Right. <laughs> and it didn't feel close to Christmas. Christmas was like two weeks away. I know. And then people would say, "Did you? were you mad that you had to share your birthday? Right. No, I never cared. Did you care? No. I, of course I was going to share it with someone. I feel bad for the people who have no one to share their <laughs> birthday with. I mean, your birthday is pretty awesome. There's not much that can, like, make it not awesome. Right. I, I mean, And you're, you're just... all celebrating it alone. I feel bad. <laughs> We have I each mean, other. I'm sure they have other people in their lives to celebrate with. But like, you know. And I think our parents did a good job. I can remember having like a cake where half of it, you know, was one, yeah. was chocolate and half of it was vanilla. Yeah, and, and they would decorate it for you mm -hmm. and decorate it for me. And remember the year we had two parties? Yes. And it was so silly. So one Saturday you had a party. With and then people the, that were my friends. And then the next Saturday I had a party. But then we had several friends who were at both. Right. And it was just kind of silly. It we was said, weird. We'll never do that again. Yeah. It was one year that, you know, some, you know, child psychologist probably said it was better for twins to celebrate <laughs> separately. Right. And mom and dad were like, we should do that. <laughs> but we didn't even, it didn't, we missed celebrating it with each other. It right. felt weird. It was silly. Yeah. Yeah. But do you remember what mom did for our birthdays many years, especially when we were young? We would invite all our friends, mm -hmm. and we would have breakfast with Santa. Yes. And it was like in like a department store. It was like in Ann and Hope or like yes. Bradley's or something. Some, some big department store, and we would have like a whole table, yep. and Santa was like out there. In and the, we would have breakfast, yeah. and it was like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. We had our birthday. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was so fun. We did it again and, and then again. again. It was again. it was a hit. It was yeah. a hit. Now, uh, people who aren't from New England right. have no idea, I think, what Bradley's or Caldor or <laughs> Ann and Hope is. No. No. That's, that's a regional thing, I think. You, really? I thought those were, like, national. I think they're just for us. But we'll have to ask Mom the store. Yeah. So our birthday's coming up. I mean, we're just going to try to keep this month as festive as possible. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, we talked about it a little bit at last week's podcast where lights are up yeah. and things are being decorated. And it's just so nice. I love to see that. That's why you need to get your tree. <laughs> By the 12th, Carrie. <laughs> By the 12th. Um, so we have lots of stuff going on with Him Talk Twin Talk. Right. You know, last week we did an Advent hymn. Mm -hmm. I mean, today we're doing really a Christmas song. Right. right. And we'll do a Christmas song next week. Right. And then we have our Christmas carol poll. Right. 
we want you guys to tell us what to do, and we're going to do our research and do our digging and mm -hmm. give you all the information on the hymn that you pick. Yes. So your five choices yep. are God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, Joy to the World, Silent Night, Angels We Have Heard on High, and What Child Is This? Mm -hmm. If you have not gone to our Facebook or Twitter page yet, please do that. Yeah. Please give us your vote. Make sure your voice is heard. Yes, yes. So the Christmas carol that we're choosing this week for of today. Of course, it's not one of those five. Right, it's not. But it's a very, oh, just much loved Christmas carol. Right. I love this song. In fact, if I had to pick my, like, longtime favorite, mm -hmm. from even from when I was a kid, I think I would pick this. I would say the same thing. Really? Yes. I always loved it. No, this, this song. is a joke. Why is it your favorite? Why do you think you loved it as a kid? Well, I think when I was a kid, I sang it and I thought I sang it really pretty. Right. And I think that that's one of the reasons why it's so popular. It's a really pretty melody, not too high, not too low. Right. And, you know, most people can sing it and sound pretty good. Yeah. Well, that, well, as like a six year old, that's what I thought. I thought so too. <laughs> that's a twin thing, Carrie. Well. All right, so it's it's pretty popular. I think most people know it. I think it has a wide range of appeal mm -hmm, to lots mm -hmm. of ages. All right, are we ready to say the hymn? I want to tell them. Okay. Today's Christmas carol is Away, Away in a Manger. manger. Yay. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. And there's a lot of information about this. And I there's know. a lot of mystery yes. surrounding the hymn. I mean, this, this little... Simple carol, Simple. full of mystery, mm -hmm. full of a little bit of controversy. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought? thought? So, you know, I hope that you can just listen to this and just really appreciate where this hymn came from. So, right. And we're going to just dig right into it. Well, I think it's really interesting to note how many people have recorded this song. Okay. So many. Carrie Underwood, mm. Pentatonix, Nat King Cole, oh. a duet with Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby. I'd love to hear that. Kenny Rogers, Ella Fitzgerald. I think maybe one of the more unexpected ones. Yeah. Justin Bieber. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. It's a very well-known piece. Now, I actually have this really fun piece of information. All right. <laughs> Let's go, go to, to the, the movies. movies. <laughs> so actually, it's not the movies, but it's a television show. Oh, okay. It was in the show Andy Griffith. Oh. The Andy Griffith Show, it was season one, episode 11. Mm. It premiered on December 19th, 1960. I mean, we have to have listeners who watch the Andy yes. Griffith Show. I mean, yes. we didn't watch it, Kelly. No, no. Do you remember watching it? Not at all. No. It was sung by Andy Griffith, and he played it himself on the guitar. He was a music teacher. Uh, he was I a music teacher before he was an actor. Yeah. So the actress who had to sing it was his love interest. She, her name was Eleanor Donahue, and in the show, her name was Ellie. And she was really, Aww. really nervous about it. And she would she she said, "I, I don't want to sing. I'm not a singer." And even her mother was trying to help her. And her mother said. You've sung that song a million times at church. You've been singing it since you're a little girl. Just mm -hmm. sing Away in a Manger and don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. But she was really worried about it. So Andy Griffith takes her aside. They, oh. they practice. They sit like on the steps. He has the guitar and he gives her the advice. Hum first. If you hum first, it'll help you start off on the right key. Mm -hmm. The vowels and the consonants almost distract you from like finding right. your, your pitch. And starting... Singing on a vowel like ah yeah. is, is harder. Right. You have so to really said, have that voice behind he you. He said to her, start off humming. Aww. So they they practiced, he coached her, and then they go to do the to do like the rehearsal. 
they rehearsed and it actually went really well. And so she said, okay, okay, all right, now we can record it. I, I, I'm good. I feel good. And they said, we already recorded it. Oh, and they kind of oh tricked her. Yep. They recorded it without her knowing. And when you go and watch the episode, you hear her humming at the beginning. You do. She is humming to get her opening. No. Well, she actually hums like sort of the intro oh, okay. and she's yeah. just sort of like relaxing. And he said to her, I'll just keep playing this. You just come in whenever oh. you're ready. What a good music coach and I vocal know. coach. I would do that. It really, it's such a sweet scene. Right. And um, and the whole episode was around the song. It's not like it was background music. Oh, I no, mean, no, it was no. part of the plot. No, in fact, I mean, you know, it totally changed the mood in the mm-hmm. jail and the guy who's behind bars started singing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's Andy <laughs> Griffith. Great. I know. 1960. I would love to share this scene because, of course, I, I found can, it yeah. on YouTube. So I'll share it. We'll okay. put it on Facebook because it's so cute. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, you know, there is there's this version of Away in a Manger mm-hmm. that was from the Andy Griffith mm-hmm. show that probably most people know. Right. It's this tune... That written by a hymn writer named James R. Murray. Right. I mean, do you want to just show it to everybody? We can show it to everyone. Absolutely. This is the tune I th- I think that most people think of when they hear Away right. in a Manger. We're going to talk about other tunes. But right. yes, this is the tune that I think is most well-known. Right. Okay. Humming first. Mm-hmm. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. I hope people recognize that. What's oh, what's interesting to note sure. is that the words are anonymous. We don't know who wrote the words for verses one and two. Right. We, we do have a writer for verse three, which is weird. But, you know, people do that all the time. They right. change the words. They change the lyrics. They change the music. And, I mean, for the third verse, I mean, I think they thought that the hymn was too short. Right. Like, it's, let's make it a little no, bit longer. Let's quick. beef it up a little yep. bit. Yeah. All right. So for a long time, this song was actually titled... Something different. Not Away in a Manger. Right. Do you know what it was called? Well, it was called Luther's Cradle Hymn. Luther's Cradle Hymn, named after Martin Martin Luther. Luther. So somehow this English (laughs) hymn was attributed to the German hymnodist Martin Luther. What's that? What's that? A hymnodist. Are we we hymnodists, Kelly? You you know what? I was so excited. I actually looked up the word hymnodist. Hymnodist. And it is a composer of hymns or a person who studies hymns. Oh, that's totally us. You and I are hymnodists. Hymnodists. I had never heard that word before. I am updating my resume (laughs) as we speak. (laughs) Now, it says that Martin Luther, he was a prolific hymnodist. Right. So, you know, he's this person who wrote a ton of hymns. He regarded music and especially hymns in German as important means for the development of faith. So this man who, you know, ended up writing lots of music and lots of theological papers actually becomes credited with this music. Right. So there's a story that he would sing a Christmas lullaby. And the way this became sort of like a mainstream story is because of this famous book all about Luther by this Lutheran 
artist from Pennsylvania. Uh-oh. His name was Gustav Ferdinand Leopold Koenig. And for the, the Lutherans in Pennsylvania in this mid-1800s, they were all into stories about Martin Luther. That's so funny. It's hundreds of years later. Right. It's but not like that minute. No, but they're Lutherans, they're ardent, and they want to know everything they can about Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. So in this book, there's this artwork of Martin Luther singing with his cha- children, with okay. his family. They're gathered in front in front of the Christmas tree, and there's a nativity. So the book talks about how Martin Luther and how many German families would actually make their own manger and set it up in front of their tree. So they would make it. So this artwork of Martin Luther and his family, I think, actually became the inspiration for calling away in a manger Luther's cradle hymn. There is no evidence that this hymn goes back to the 1500s, and there's absolutely zero evidence that it was ever in German. Right. So it can't be by Martin Luther. In fact, Martin Luther has these like 57 fat volumes of (laughs) writings, and they literally went line by line to find anything that has away in a manger in it, and they never found anything. And also, linguists say that when you look at the English and the German words side by side, Mm. they say it's very obvious that the English words came first and the German is a translation. So, I mean, I don't know how you tell that, but, you know, people who really know the languages really can say that the German is a translation. Mm. Wow. So our listeners are hearing it here first. (laughs) Well, they may have heard it. That Martin Luther did not write he did. Away in a Manger. Now, he does have a Christmas song that he sang for his son, Hans, and it's called From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. The German words were von Himmel hoch, and wow. it's still in German, traditionally sung on Christmas Day. And oh. we have English words that were translated by our favorite translator, Catherine, Catherine Winkworth. And we learned about her when we did Now Thank We All Our God. Right. This hymn that he wrote in German that Catherine yeah. translated, we don't sing that here? No, no. I don't know it at all. No. But yet somehow, you know, this story right. of this hymn that he wrote for the manger on Christmas Day mm-hmm. and singing with his son. And then you have this Away in a Manger, which is very childlike right. and sweet. Somehow it became Luther's cradle hymn. And I'll tell you, we looked at tons of hymnals. Yeah, I mean, did. it is written in hundreds and hundreds of hymnals. Mm-hmm. And it really is called Luther's, Luther's cradle, cradle hymn. hymn. It is not called Away in a Manger. Right. Now, you might think that it eventually became Away in a Manger because some Someone figured out that it actually wasn't Luther right. and they changed the name. Right. But that's not really the case. We've talked about this right. um, on Him Talk Twin Talk before, where at some point they just started naming hymns by the first line of the right. song. So they so why are they gonna call it Luther's Cradle Hymn? That makes no sense for hymns and hymnals right. and churches that might want to sing it. So they just took that name out. Put in a way in a manger, it's easily recognizable. And again, it's a set of words that only appears once. Once. Right, the away in a manger. Now, when you look at modern hymnals, you will see that the words are anonymous. They have stopped attributing it to Martin Luther. So if you have a really old Mm. hymnal, Mm. you might see Martin Luther. Yeah, yeah. It would be be cool to see that shift, you know, from when it went to Martin Luther. And and then a lot of times in hymnals, when they don't know the the composer or or hymnodist, Mm -hmm. they just put anonymous or A-N-O-N. Right. And that happens a lot. 
So, but it was a poem. It was a poem, and these words had been around. Yep. So the first time we see it in a hymnal mm. was in 1854. Right. And the tune was by James Herbert. And it's wow. a very sweet, simple melody. So for those of us who are counting, like we could have like a little counting thing. Yeah, yeah. Now we have two tunes for Away in a Manger. Right. Because the 1854 was the first time it was ever in print. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we know that the one we sing, the one we sang at the beginning, was by J.R. Murray. And that was published in 1887. Right. 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 So we are up to two. We sang for you the the one that we all know from mm -hmm. our hymnal. Mm -hmm. But now we're going to sing for you the one from 1854. <laughs> the earliest one by Herbert. And we found it in an old hymnal, mm -hmm. and it does say away in a manger, and it mm -hmm. does say that Martin Luther wrote the words and the music. Right. Like, poor Herbert didn't get any credit for this no. one. I actually think that it gave the song a little bit more... Yeah. Gravitas. Yeah, more breath. Yeah. That that it was written and conceived and composed by, by Martin, Martin Luther. Luther. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right. So but, this one is from 1854. Yeah. I would be very curious to know if you recognize this tune. Right. Have, have you ever heard this tune? Okay. And we're going to hum it first, just like Andy Griffith told <laughs> us, right? I love Andy Griffith. Me too. Mm. Away in a manger. No crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the heavens looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. From so I'm okay. just letting that sink into our listeners. For those of you who don't know, I am a music teacher, and I sing songs with children who are in grades kindergarten through fourth. That's roughly like the ages of five through ten. And right. when I tell you that this is like a perfect little kid song, it's a, <laughs> it, it is. I mean, I can totally see this as being labeled a children's hymn. Right. This is exactly... You know the kinds of songs I sing. It has a, it has a little bit more of a range than I would normally do. It, mm -hmm. It's about nine notes, right? Um, but just the repetitive yes. and the jumps and the movement, I think, is very much suited to a child's voice. Mm. Interesting. So musicians changed hymn tunes often. Mm -hmm. This isn't a new thing, mm -hmm. and it and it wasn't. I don't think it was something that was meant to be taken personally. No. Like if I wrote something and someone came along and changed the music, I'd be like, "What are you doing?" I, know. I would not like that. But that's that's not the case in hymn music. Right. Um, I actually think it's kind of paying respect to you know the the lyrics and you know the and how important it is to write music that's important for your people in that time. Right. Obviously, singers singing in eight. 1854 are not the same as our singers singing in 2020. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it would make perfect sense to change up a little bit of the tune. And we do see that. Of but course. I think what's remarkable about Away in a Manger is that there's this many changes. Right. I mean, it's a lot. So in total, we actually have 41 <laughs> different settings. That's, that's a fun fact. That's crazy, though. 41, 41 of this little simple tune? Yeah. Is, you know. And I wonder if more people were sort of drawn to it because of the, the fact that it was anonymous. So we have, yeah. like, no, we don't know who wrote the words, so mm -hmm. I'm going to be the one who... 
composes the great song to go with it. Right, right. Yeah. So we did the we did the one from 1854. That's yeah. Herbert. We sang the one that we all know. I feel like this is the more common I one. I think so. So, you know, like 30-ish years later, um, Murray comes around and adds the music. Right. So this guy Murray is kind of awesome. Let's hear a little bit about him. I know. So James R. Murray was born on March 17th, 1841. Mm-hmm. And I just love this because we have learned that James R. Murray and I have something in common. Uh-oh. It's a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> James R. Murray lived in Andover, Massachusetts, which is where I live. Wow. <laughs> it's actually where we are recording I know. the podcast. We're, we're like in Andover. He like walked down the street, I bet. Yeah. So James R. Murray was from Andover, Mass, Mm -hmm. and he first published Away in a Manger in this songbook, which the name of the songbook is really funny, Kelly. It is called Dainty Songs for Little Lads and Lasses. Wow. And it says right in the title, Dainty Songs for Little Lads and Lasses for Use in the Kindergarten, School, and Home. By James R. Murray. Now, we've talked a lot about how both of us have backgrounds in teaching. Mm. And actually, teaching is one of our greatest joys. We love, Mm -hmm. you know, teaching kids music. We love having that music sung back to us and have it be, you know, beautiful. And it just feels like we have a real hand in, like, making making something beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we teach the adults in the church choir too so it doesn't have to be kids but this book in particular is for kids and J.R. Murray wrote the preface and Carrie there is just something funny about this preface okay he wrote this book it's dainty songs and so many of them are kind of silly most of them are like little folky songs cutesy songs Mm -hmm. that you kind of can picture a music teacher singing in an elementary classroom I wanted to show you what he wrote in the preface. Okay. And this, of course, is probably being read by music teachers all over the country. Mm-hmm. Music is not noise. Oh, right. It is not necessary to make children shout and scream in order oh. to enthuse them. To do that is bad for the songs and right. worse for the singers, and you get no music after all. Children will be interested in anything in which you show an interest. Enthusiasm oh. is catching. Yeah. But the other thing he says is do not be afraid of the high notes. (laughs) I mean, we talk about this all the time, that kids should be singing in a higher range. And, you know, people don't want to sing. They want to sing low and growl. No, and especially boys. They don't want to sound like a girl. They always say that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying. He says the child's voice is of great compass Mm. and is beautiful and sweet. But do not, I say it again because it is so important, mistake shouting for singing. Oh, my goodness. That's awesome. Yep. Now, he was a music teacher. Mm-hmm. So he, when he came back to Andover to work, he was a music teacher in Lawrence and in in, in Andover. Mm-hmm. And he was the organist at the Old South Church, which is right oh here gosh. in Andover. Can you believe that? So I imagine at Old South Church, they had a children's choir. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make sure the yeah. children that he was teaching knew how to sing properly. Right. I have a lot of respect for him. And, you know, you again, this songbook wasn't all Christian. It wasn't all right. about God. Um, but in his last paragraph of this preface, he says, The good shepherd has taught us that mm. the angels who watch over little children are of those who have reached the highest altitudes of heaven, 
What an incentive to loving service of the lambs of the flock is found in the thought that we are co-workers with them who do always behold the face of the Father. So that quote when Mari says at the end, who do always behold the face of the Father, comes right from the Bible. What does the Bible say? <laughs> the face of the Father. Yes. So this is in Matthew 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I invite people to look it up if they want to. Um, The beginning of Matthew 18 is when the disciples are arguing over who is going to be the greatest in heaven. You know, just like, just so mature. Right. (laughs) And then Jesus pulls a child into their midst and says, listen, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's Matthew 18, 3. Okay. And not that much later in Matthew 18, 10, He says again, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. Mm -hmm. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What does the Bible (laughs) say? So biblical scholars have have kind of interpreted that, that angels, you know, who are taking care of children, they have a special place. Children have a special place they should be taken care of. Mm. And, you know, but there's been lots of different you know, interpretations of that. Um, The truth is, is that when little ones is used in the New Testament, that word can mean children, but it also can mean anyone young in their faith. And it also means someone who's just following Jesus. So it could be just anyone. Anybody. So the the reason why I chose that Matthew 18 passage is because mm-hmm. just like five verses before, he does reference the child. The children. And sure. so the child that he brings up forward. So, you know, maybe that he was still referencing children but, um, when we get to Matthew 18, 10. But either way, you can sense that Murray felt it was really important to teach children, to mm-hmm. come alongside them. And he and he took great pride in that job. He wrote this whole book right. for dainty lads and lasses. Right. Yeah. Now, now this book, it's right. not a hymnal. It's not a Christian book. It has some really silly songs. Oh, we both wrote down the, the titles of the songs yeah. that we thought were the funniest. Mm-hmm. The title, Cluck, 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 and Buzz, Buzz, Buzz. Those are those are titles. Mm-hmm. Also, a grasshopper knocked at a beehive door. Oh, not a good idea, grasshopper. <laughs> Sounds like a good song. How about this one? I have always had an awkward tongue. Yikes. <laughs> How about little Dora's soliloquy? Oh. So we're talking about children like singing and they have to say this big word soliloquy. L- little Dora has a lot to say. Mm-hmm. This book that J.R. Murray wrote has over a hundred songs in it mm-hmm. and we actually looked at a lot of them. We sang through some of them. They are really, really cute. And we decided we wanted to share one with you today. Yeah. Now, J.R. Murray published the book, but he also has some songs in it that he himself wrote. This one is called The Little Missionary. Yes. I actually love this. The Little Missionary. I mean, do you remember as a kid the teach the Sunday school teachers and the pastors telling us that we were missionaries? Right. And we're like, no, we're not. Yes, you are a missionary in your home, in your school, you right. know, on the playground. So this is his song to help children understand. Mm-hmm. All right. You want okay. to sing it? Sure. All right. Hum first. I need not go to India, to China, or Japan. To work for Jesus here at home, I'll do the best I can. I'll tell of his great love for me, and how I love him too. 
and better far I'll show my love in all that I may do. We all may work for Jesus wherever we may be. I'll try to work for Jesus who did so much for me. Well, you guys can look up the Dainty Lads, Dainty Book for Lads and Lasses. Right. We'll share the link on right. Facebook because I do think it's kind of funny. And if you are musical, if you enjoy looking at old songs, this you're going to get a kick out of this one. You really will. So this kind of brings us to our third version of the song. Right. Now, we could sit here for the next five hours and do all 41. 41, <laughs> but we're not. Which we've chosen this third version because this third version is still quite known in the United States. It's actually in our hymnal. Right. So in our church hymnal, we have two Away in a Mangers. And honestly, we've had this problem before where I go, oh, I want to do Away in a Manger. And I just pick the number without checking it. Right. And I'm standing there thinking, I've got this. And this was, of course, before you were our organist. And then the accompanist turns to the page that you said. I told them the page. And it's the wrong tune. I actually really like this tune. Me too. In some ways, I really like it I even like it better. I know. I, I I wonder why it's not so popular. But I'll tell you, it is the preferred version in England right. and in Europe. So somehow, it. Um, we're going to tell you a little bit about it. It was right. written by an American. But somehow it was able to cross the ocean and become kind of popular right. in England. I think that has to do with the publishing house. Yeah. I mean, whoever, however they marketed yep. it and shared it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Julie Andrews has a great... Uh, oh. recording of this tune. Yeah, let's show them this tune by okay. William J. Kirkpatrick. So if we're going to do the tune by Kirkpatrick, let's do the second verse. Okay. Okay. We need to hum first. Yeah, we do need to hum first. Mm-hmm. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus. Look down from the sky and stay by my side until morning is nigh. So who knows that version? This tune was written by William J. Kirkpatrick. He was born in Duncannon, Pennsylvania Ooh. in 1851. Okay. He received his musical training from his father, who was a very gifted musician. Awesome. And who really encouraged him being a musician. He studied with a professor bishop that was really acclaimed at that time, mm-hmm. that he got in to have lessons with him. Mm-hmm. And so he lived in Pennsylvania all his life. He was a carpenter by trade. He was actually in the furniture business from 1862 to 1878. So he's making and selling furniture. He's a craftsman. That's good. (laughs) And then in 1878, he leaves the furniture making business. Okay. And so how did that happen? And I did a little bit of research, and his wife died in 1878. 
And at that point, he felt like that he wanted to devote his life to music. And I wonder, like, was the wife not supportive of his music? Mm -hmm. Or did he just feel like he had a a family and he couldn't, you know, do music? Mm -hmm. But from that moment on, he worked in music full time. He served as the music director at Grace Methodist Church in Philadelphia. And in 1893, he married again to a Mrs. Sarah Kellogg Bourne of New York. And they spent their married life traveling. They went to (laughs) France, Germany, Switzerland, and England. Okay. And he continued to write music. He continued to write so many hymns that he used a pseudonym. And the pseudonym that he used was Annie Bourne. And Bourne was his wife's maiden name. Mm -hmm. He was very busy. He was president of the Praise Publishing Company of Philadelphia. And at the time, they wrote this biological sketch of him. Yeah. And they said of Mr. Kirkpatrick, he is a busy man, and he always does his work in a scholarly manner. He resides in Philadelphia, but spends several months each year in his winter home, Sunny Croft, in Winter Park, Florida. Wow. He was a snowbird. He wanted to get away from the winter. Like, was he one of the first snowbirds? <laughs> when did people start going to Florida for the I winter? I don't know. Yeah, it's good. Um, so, you know, you probably know some of his hymn tunes. Okay, let's hear them. He wrote, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Wow. Yeah. That's a great one. He wrote, <laughs> Jesus Saves. That's Kirkpatrick. Yeah. Jesus Saves. Yeah. Jesus Saves. He wrote, Lead Me to Calvary. Wow, he wrote some really diverse tunes, yeah, didn't true. he? Yeah. They were bouncy and peppy, more mm-hmm. like the gospel songs yep. of that time period. But then he wrote these really pretty, almost mm-hmm. lyrical tunes. He played the fife in the Civil War. Yeah. And he also played the cello, flute, organ, and violin. Wow. Yep. And he was involved with church music the rest of his life. He taught Sunday school. He mm. directed the choir. So that's Kirkpatrick. So it's funny, there's so much that we don't know about this because Mm -hmm. those words are anonymous, but yet there's a lot of people who worked on it. You have James R. Murray, Mm -hmm. you have Kirkpatrick, you have the people who worked on the other 39 settings. Right. But the thing is, is that at the end of the day, it's like almost 150 years old. Yeah. So all those people working on it kind of shows that it's popular and it has appeal. Right. But it also, I think, confuses it. How Mm -hmm. many times did we look up this song and and get the wrong information? information? Yeah. So the third verse, yes, the third verse was... Which we haven't sung yet. Yeah, it's added later. It was written by Dr. John T. McFarland in the early 1900s. He was a Methodist minister. And really, they were like looking at the song, thinking it wasn't long enough. They wanted to do it in a children's program. And he said, I think we need a third verse. So Hmm. basically, he wrote it. And there's even some... Some some stuff that's unknown about that, like who actually asked right. him to do it and, and when did he do it. The dates kind of don't match, but it's generally accepted that Dr. John McFarland wrote the third verse. And it's a prayer. It stops telling the story about mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. and instead comes from the perspective of the person singing. Be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay. Close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Mm -hmm. Nice. So that's the third verse. There's three verses of words that are almost 150 years old. Mm -hmm. And strangely enough, there are some discrepancies. We found a Mm -hmm. set of words in one hymnal. They would change something. Mm -hmm. So care. 
I'm going to quiz you. Okay. And quiz everyone else. Um, you have to tell me if these are the original words from the first hymnal that we have. From like J.R. Murray. Yep. Okay. Or if it has been changed. Okay. Okay. So is it no crib for his bed or no crib for a bed? I think it's no crib for a bed. You are right. <laughs> Good. All right. Do another one. All right. So is it the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head? Or is it the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head? Oh, wow. So that like changes the tense of it, doesn't it? I know. I think it's past tense, laid. You are correct. Good. Nice. Is it the poor baby wakes or is it the baby awakes? I feel like I sing the poor baby, so I'm going to say that's original. It is original. All right. Yeah. Good. I'll take it. Okay. Last one. Okay. Okay. Um, Verse 3, line 4, does it say take us to heaven or Mm -hmm. does it say fit us for heaven? What's the original? I'm going to say fit is original. Nope. It's take us to heaven to live with thee there. So when we dug into this hymn, there was one thread that really popped up a lot. And it's this idea that would Jesus have been crying? And why does the hymn say he wasn't crying? Right. And, you know, the best sound when a baby is born is that initial cry. That initial cry signifies life. This baby is alive. We hear that cry. So why in the hymn do we say no crying? Well, I mean, this is something that might not be as theologically sound as you would Mm -hmm. like, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have songs all the time that I go, I'm not going to do that one. I'm just not uh, not 100% there. Like, I'm 95% there. Right. I read that there were biblical scholars that refused to sing this verse. Absolutely refused to sing it. (laughs) Because they disagree with it so much. So the full line is the cattle are lowing. Right. So we, we so the, our... the lowing, you know, that's What's just that? that's the ordinary sounds that cattle make. Right. The cattle are making their noises. They're making their yeah. normal sounds. But the baby awakes. Right. The cow's normal sounds have woken the baby. Mm-hmm. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Right. So the biblical scholars who say Jesus was 100% human, of course he would have cried. A baby cries. That's how they communicate. Crying isn't sinful. Right. So they don't like that because they think that it, it takes away his humanity. Right. Well, when I was reading a little bit about it, there was a form of liberal Christianity kind of around at that time, mm-hmm. which, you know, is always around, I always, guess. yeah. But they wanted to paint Jesus as a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just he was just a good good man. He taught right. a lot of right. great things, and so you have to wonder if maybe this anonymous, you know, hymn writer right. who wrote the words was was doing this in response to that. Listen, he wasn't just a regular baby in a manger. Right. He it was God. He was God. He was the King of the world. And no, he didn't cry because he's God. Right. And so. When I hear that, I kind of think, oh, I guess you have a point there, too. Right, right. Because this isn't a story about just a baby. In a way, in a manger, you know, it's really about a baby being born until it shifts to being Jesus. Right. And, you know, it's very clear when it says the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. It's not just a little baby asleep on the hay. Right. They call him Lord. And Lord is king and controller and ruler over all. And they call Jesus Lord like 740 times in the New Testament. There is no question that this baby is Lord and this baby is king. Mm -hmm. So I could see that. But I mean, we can talk ourselves through it because I would just say it was peaceful. It was calm. 
the, the his the, mom was right there. Right there. Yeah. The noise of the cattle didn't startle him. It was actually soothing, and he just woke up slowly and opened right. his eyes. And we've seen newborns. I mean, babies do that. Do that. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, you can get super picky about things mm-hmm. and like pick things apart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just kind of appreciate the the larger truth. Which is that Jesus was born in a manger, mm-hmm. you know, and in verse three, we we're praying to him, be near us, right. help us, guide us. And so that so one day we can be in heaven with him. And it was a peaceful night in Bethlehem. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, you know, we just want to mention right before we go, our God came and was born in a lowly manger. And what does that mean for us? What kind of God this is? Right. This is a God who wants to be with us, wants to experience our life the way we did. Mm -hmm. He grew up, and he would one day sacrifice his life on a cross for us. But he would rise again, and he would return to his father's side from whence he came. And now we wait for his return. Yep. Just like we talked about last week. Right. Yeah. It's waiting for his birth and waiting for his return. Right. Right. So... We have sung a lot, Carrie, haven't we? We've sung a lot, so we have something else to share with yeah, you. I, yeah, I hope you like the little pieces that we share. It's it's nice to just hear different styles and different, yep. different people. So we're going to share another version of Away in a Manger. Okay, this is from a church in Forest Lake, Minnesota. So this is their praise and worship team. The church is called the Centennial Evangelical Free Church. And, you know, all their services are held on Zoom. And their music is pre-recorded, so I found them on YouTube, and it's just lovely. They've really kind of updated Away in a Manger with drums and guitar. I really enjoyed this, and I know you will, too. We'll put it up on our Facebook page so you can see it there, too. I hope you all like Away Away in a Manger. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the Isn't that so nice? So pretty. 
So we are just wrapping up. Mm-hmm. That's a way in a manger. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, everyone. I know. We have one last scripture verse to yes. share with you. You know, this is a, the famous passage of Jesus being born. Mm-hmm. You've probably heard it a million times. We're going to share it with you just once more. And in this quiet time, reflect on what Jesus' birth means to you. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you here next week. We have two more Christmas carols before Christmas. Right. And thank you to the musicians at Centennial Church in Minnesota. Thank you for sharing your music with us. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Him Talk Twin Talk. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Keep singing. <laughs>